When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode number 139 here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. Very happy to be with you guys on CLNS Radio. Going to be bringing in our new segment, Behind Enemy Lines, as we welcome in Aaron Sutton, the podcast director for the fan-sided Dolphins SB Nation blog. We're also welcoming in Mike Dusso of PatsPropaganda.com to help us sort through this week's upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins and to go over the Patriots' last surprising win over the Arizona Cardinals. Hope you guys enjoy this show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast on CLNS Radio. I am your host, Harris Rubicine, and very happy to be with you guys this week. Holy cow, what an incredible, incredible game the Patriots played on Sunday. We'll be talking about that as well as going over their upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins this weekend. But let's let's first get into this game that was on Sunday. Let's just get right into it. Jump right into it. And I think there are only there are three letters that describe last week. O M G. Oh my Garoppolo. What an incredible game Jimmy Garoppolo played in his first NFL start. I completely blew me away. Completely blew me away. I didn't expect him to play that well. I didn't think he would play that well. I, I just it did not occur to me that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to come out against one of the premier defenses in the NFL. Premier, like easily on paper, probably top five or top ten, and just beat him. Just flat out beat him. It was incredible. Now I expected the Pats defense to play well. Obviously, you know my prediction. I believe I predicted thirty-one to seventeen. So 31 points isn't a, a great expectation. So obviously, you know, they kept it on they kept it under well, it was 21 points total, but I was stunned that they were able to keep them under four touchdowns. 21 points against the top scoring offense from last year in their stadium is incredibly impressive. I I I mean wow. Wow, wow, wow. 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 No, there's literally nothing else to say besides wow. Great win by the New England Patriots. So let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's go over piece by piece what we saw in the game, how we thought. Obviously, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo played incredible. I mean, some of these throws that he were making were just throws that I did not even know that he could make. He looked way more confident in the pocket than we ever saw him in the preseason. He had pocket presence. He was smart with his throws. He was incredibly accurate. They put the offense in his hands, and he absolutely delivered. He had command of the pocket. He was making audibles. He was checking out of place. He was reading defenses and relaying information to his receivers. Like, he looked like a professional quarterback. And, you know, at this point in his career, 
Like, he probably should just because, you know, he's a third round, excuse me, a second round pick three years ago, right? So, like, look, so, like you know, the easiest quarterback I can think of when I think of second round picks that are moved into, uh, you know, second round picks that are starting quarterbacks, you know, Derek Carr is a really good person to look at. Derek Carr drafted two years ago. Uh, one of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you look at where Jimmy Garoppolo is as a NFL quarterback, it should be about on par where Derek Carr is. Now, obviously, Derek Carr is a full year of NFL experience under his belt, but I could argue that a full year of NFL experience, or excuse me, Jimmy Garoppolo's two years after being a second-round pick sitting behind Tom Brady and winning a Super Bowl is probably equivalent to one full NFL season of playing eight and eight football. I think I think that's a pretty fair, like you know, pretty fair equal level time to I think that's kind of fair. So if they're on the same level, and we saw that Garoppolo is very much NFL ready, very much ready to play, very much has all the tools to do so, then you have to be really happy where he's at. And, you know, he, he very equal to what we saw with Derek Carr, but there's one thing that I need to say about this guy. I don't know if this is just me, but every single time I watch Jimmy Garoppolo throw the football, and including this past weekend, the only person I can think of, I just see Tony Romo constantly. Now, I'm not saying, like, the brittleness of Tony Romo. I'm talking about the great qualities of Tony Romo. Good downfield thrower, quick releases, uh, good play calling, a high football IQ, ability to read the defense, ability to move in and around the pocket to avoid a pass rush, good pocket presence, good feel, uh, and maybe holds the ball for a little bit too long and gets a little bit higher sack levels because of that. He's a very, and I'm not just saying this because they both went to Eastern Illinois, but it was very clear that whoever taught Tony Romo how to play quarterback very much had a big hand in how to teach Jimmy Garoppolo to play quarterback. Very, very similar players, very similar body size, very similar ability. So it, it was interesting to watch him play a full NFL game and just really see the comparisons that the two have between each other. And I think, you know, it is just one game. And obviously you don't want to get too wrapped up in just one game like, oh, he was so incredible, this, this, and that. But at the same time, it, it's you do want to be able to look at a player and just be able to identify whether or not they can play football. And I think it's very clear that, sure, Jimmy Garoppolo will go through his bumps. He's going to go through his bruises. He's going to do the whole, you know, thing again. But at the same time, he performed well in the face of pressure. He went into Arizona facing up against one of the five best defenses in football, scored 24-23 points on them, led two scoring drives, one in the beginning of the game one of the, and one at the end of the game. He also had one in the second half. That was really nice. So, you know, playing great inside of that stadium in that situation is incredibly important. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo should be, and everyone, and all Patriots fans should be very, very happy with how he played. So a couple more things I wanted to talk about with this game. Um, I saw on Twitter afterwards that I really wanted to talk about Logan Ryan. So I saw on Twitter afterwards is that all you Patriots fans and all all these people were harshly criticizing Logan Ryan for not really being able to do well at covering Larry Fitzgerald. Now, should he have done a little bit better than to allow eight catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns. Fair. Fair enough. 
But at the same time, guys, you're asking an outside corner whose main skill is most certainly not speed. His main skill is tackling and good physical corner play. You're putting him in the slot against arguably one of the, not even an argument, against one of the best wide receivers, not only currently in the NFL, but you're facing him off against one of the best wide receivers in the history of professional football. And if you, if you have anything to say that that is negative about Larry Fitzgerald, you are you're just wrong. Larry Fitzgerald has proven time and time again that if you have a a quarterback who is worth a crap, he is going to put up just Hall of Fame numbers. He's an incredible player. Ever since he's moved into the slot, he's been one of the NFL's best slot receivers. When he's on the outside, he's one of the NFL's best outside receivers. There's not really much that Larry Fitzgerald cannot do. So when you throw a Logan Ryan, Logan Ryan is no legend. Logan Ryan is no Hall of Fame corner. Logan Ryan is going to have difficulties covering Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. And if if you were to ask me, okay, Harris, if you're facing against the Cardinals, are you okay with giving up that statistical production to Larry Fitzgerald if no one else on their offensive side of the ball does literally anything besides one nice run? Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that any day of the week. They shut they the Patriots' entire game plan for this offense was to stop the deep ball. And they did. Think about how many times we've seen highlights of John Brown or Michael Floyd, or David Johnson getting these crazy deep-down-the-field passes and these big plays that change the complexion of the football game and just completely demoralize the defense. We saw that, like, once. I think Michael Floyd had, like, one long catch in the first quarter against Malcolm Butler, and then we didn't see it again for the rest of the game. John Brown was completely shut down. Michael Floyd was completely shut down. David Johnson... Besides his one big run that he had where he broke like six tackles or seven tackles, whatever it was, was for the most part contained. Obviously, he's going to get his yardage no matter what because I'll admit I was probably pretty wrong about David Johnson. He's amazing. He's absolutely incredible. So he's going to get his, you know. He's going to get his yardage. But just the plain fact that he didn't end up destroying the New England Patriots is something that Patriots fans should be pretty impressed about that they were able to hold down one of the best receiving and running backs in the NFL to one big play without it just being a destructive force to the entire game. Carson Palmer wasn't very good. The Patriots did a very good job against their offensive line. I'll get more into their defensive schemes as we uh, move into the game review a little bit more. But, man, I was so impressed by this Patriots team. You know, it takes some major, major balls to go into – the NFC, one of the NFC conference champion finalists, one of the power ranking, you know, lovebirds of the NFL, you know, easily probably the first or second best team in the NFC, walk into their home stadium on Sunday night football with no Tom Brady, no Rob Gronkowski, no Nate Solder. No Rob Ninkovich, no Jonathan Cooper, and completely outplay them for about four quarters. Now, I don't even want to know, or nor do I care what the score would have been with Gronkowski or with Brady or with any of those guys. We that, that is a silly thing to judge. That's a silly thing to have to think about. Oh, I wonder how much they would have won. It doesn't matter. 
they won the game. And all these people who are being incredibly critical about, you know, I don't know, how the tackles played or the defense gave up too many yards, just, just stop. They just stop. They for for the first time in a long time, the New England Patriots, if they wanted to win this game, they had to go in and take it and steal a game in Arizona, and that's exactly what they did. They did not. They did not. They were not supposed to win this game. This is one of the very few games over the past couple of regular seasons where they should not have won, and they did. Take it for what it is. Surface value, one and zero onto Miami. Go team. So, a couple more positives about the game that I really want to talk about. I was incredibly impressed by how the Patriots defense uh, showed up with their new thing I've been talking about all uh, all preseason. Their 5-2 defense worked like an absolute charm. A lot of these guys will see. There was one time, and I mentioned this uh, in the call with, um, with Aaron, but if you... Um, if you if you saw the game on Sunday, you see sometimes where they had seven people. There's one play that really sticks out in my mind. They had seven people up on the line. The Patriots did. They had seven. Uh, they had four linebackers and three down linemen. I think it was it was Chris Long, uh, Chris Long, Malcolm Brown, Trey Flowers, um, and then it was uh, McClellan, Hightower, Collins, and Freeney on the field. So all of a sudden. There's seven on the line, and as soon as the ball is snapped, you just see all four of the linebackers fake blitz and then just go whoosh and just fan out like a just like a giant fan and just all fall away from the line and drop into coverage. So now all of a sudden there's three rushers and eight dropping into coverage. The offensive line has no idea what's going on. Carson Palmer has no idea what's going on. And then before you even know it, Chris Long is there for a sack. So it, it was it was really impressive to watch. Uh, them really attack their offensive line. Their offensive line was good, but very clearly they were very, very vulnerable. And I think that is a very important thing that they were able to attack. Is you know, offensive line was vulnerable. They don't have great tight ends. They don't have very large people outside of Michael Floyd. So they were able to attack the Cardinals defense with a lot of speed and size. And I think they did a good job of attacking the right matchups in that game. Uh, the secondary played great. Malcolm Butler needs to stop thinking that every ball that's caught about him is uh, caught around him is incomplete. I mean, you know, it's just, it, you know, there were a couple times in there where they catch a ball and he would just start freaking out. It was incomplete. It was incomplete. Malcolm, they, they're going to catch a couple balls at you. It's okay. But as usual, we saw his uh, very impressive tackling ability as well as Logan Ryan's. You didn't hear Devin McCourty's name once. He was usually playing deep, deep, deep down the field, making sure that they weren't able to get any of those deep balls I was talking about, which they really didn't. And that was impressive. John Brown was completely shut down by Justin Coleman. I mean, that was that was incredible. He he made like two catches maybe, but for the most part, the Patriots secondary really lived up to the billing uh, that they could have. And I was I was very, very impressed by the Patriots defense in this game. Linebackers played well. Defensive line played well. Nice to see Allen Branch still kicking. I mean, they could have run the ball up the middle all night. He looked really good uh, sitting next to Malcolm Brown. Chris Long looks fresh. I know he got kind of injured towards the end of the first half. He got need in the uh, in the fun parts. So that obviously wasn't very fun. I remember I started freaking out. I was like, no, Chris Long is hurt again. And then I had to see on Twitter that uh, someone just said he's got need in the uh, the Funyuns. So 
Chris Long's okay. No real major injuries to report for the Patriots coming off of that game. Uh, the only major injury the Patriots are still dealing with right now is uh, this whole Rob Gronkowski hamstring issue, which I talked to both the uh, both Aaron Sutton and Mike Duso coming up later. So we'll we'll talk about them with the Gronkowski injury and how that's going to affect this weekend's game. But all in all, very impressed by the performance of the uh, Patriots. Their special teams was absolutely on fire. Their special teams was fantastic. I know last year they had a couple lapses in it, but it really seems like this year that not only do they have a um, not only do they have a lot of talent on the special teams, but it really seems that the coaching has finally started to come around. We had a little bit of you know there were a lot of mix up last year, but now that they have the coaching and the talent down, it's really just coming forward. I mean, there were a bunch of times where they were meeting them at the ten yard line, fifteen yard line. Most punts were had to be waved in so they wouldn't get crushed. I mean, special teams were flying down the field all night. I think that's the reason that they kept, kept uh, Jonathan Jones over Creveon LeBlanc. I think that he played a great game uh, uh, this past Sunday in his first NFL game. Didn't see a lot of Barkevius Mingo anywhere besides uh, special teams. Uh, th- again, I think that they are waiting for him to get a more full understanding of the offense, uh, excuse me, of the defense. So right now he's just using his ridiculous athleticism on special teams. Goskowski just, you know, he's the best. Best at kickoffs, best at field goals. Not someone we need to worry about. Ryan Allen looked good when called upon to punt. Nate Ebner did his thing. Matt Slater did his thing. Special teams really looks back to being one of the best units in the NFL. So very, very happy to see the New England Patriots dominating on special teams. So the first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How did your fantasy football teams do this week? Did you get in on the fun over at FanDuel? It's not too late. Week two is only days away. Uh, you know, I had a great time doing it for the first time uh, in a long time. I like the uh, new FanDuel site, like the new logo, like the new uh, layout. I think it was really helpful for a new player just like me. It's fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No buses seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Just like me, settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top hats win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget. And this week, Sunday Million Contest is paying out at least a million dollars in prizes. So last week I uh, mentioned that I really like Derek Carr for last week. This week I'm going to keep pushing the Raiders. Raiders and Saints players constantly. If you want offense, look at the two guys. I mean, Drew Brees last week was completely on fire. Brandon Cooks is a guy you should be looking at every single week. Tons and tons of targets. So if you want to use some of these players, please come find the Patriots beat. It's uh, fanduel.com slash Patriots. You'll find us there. You can play against all the Patriots beat guys. We had a really good time with it last week, and we hope that we can get more and more of you guys involved as the season goes on. So have all the all have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who use the deposit will get five free entries to NFL 50-50 beginner contest valued at up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries vary based on deposit and amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code PATRIOTS. That's FanDuel.com, promo code PATRIOTS, void where prohibited. Now, Moving on from the Arizona Cardinals game, let's get into this upcoming week against the Miami Dolphins. Oh boy. So, the New England Patriots always have problems with the Miami Dolphins. 
the Miami Dolphins always have problems with the New England Patriots. These teams don't really like each other. Obviously, the Patriots have held the advantage for a very, very long time against the Dolphins. Last year, uh, though, the, one of the last games of the season, I believe Bill Belichick called the he called it despicable their their loss to the Miami Dolphins. So clearly, Bill Belichick was not very happy about uh, this whole. This, this whole losing the Miami Dolphins thing. So instead of having me talk, try and talk about how good or bad the Miami Dolphins are, let's bring in our guest for this week. I would like to welcome you guys into the first ever Behind Enemy Lines segment brought to you by my bookie. Today's interview with Aaron Sutton and for the rest of the uh, interviews with Behind Enemy Lines is powered to you by mybookie.ag. NFL season is finally here. It's time. It's the time of year to make some serious catch while watching football. Do yourself a favor before placing that wager. Head on over to mybookie.ag. Why? Because mybookie.ag is focused around providing a unique, personalized, and stress-free gaming experience for each and every one of our clients, no matter if you play sports, casino games, or horse racing. MyBookie also offers its players incentives in the form of the best daily bonuses and special uh, promotions. What are you waiting for? Open your fund and account today at MyBookie and start winning with the best. Check out the MyBookie AG mo- uh, mobile platform and start enjoying the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today and you'll never miss another winning bet. So uh, without further ado, let's bring in Aaron Sutton, of Finsiders, SB Nation's Dolphins blog. So to get right into it, I mean, you know, I watched the uh, Dolphins Seahawks game last week. You know, tragic, tragic loss for the Dolphins game. So oh yeah, I'm sure you feel really sorry for us. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, they played really well. You know, they did a good job maintaining the offensive line. They did a good job in the trenches, really trying to slow down the Seahawks uh, offense and taking advantage of what is a pretty weak offensive line. But what are some keys that you saw in the Seahawks game that you think is going to help the Dolphins against the Pats? Well, I think you nailed the, I think you nailed it with the Seahawks game in particular. The defense kept us in that game the entire, uh, entire road just fell apart at the, in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, we're used to that, but, um, the trenches were great. The linebacker and secondary play actually kind of defied some of the expectations of Dolphins fans. Kiko Alonso was flying around making tackles. We were covering the slot a little bit better. I think what we are going to um, kind of use going forward with the game plan with the Patriots is it's going to be a little bit different. I don't think our pass rush is going to get to Garoppolo in the same amount of time that it got to Wilson. Wilson has the, the deeper drops because he's shorter, so he's taken more of these seven- to nine-step drops. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be more in the three-drop, three-step drop arena so we are going to need to really shore up the press coverage and making sure that we are communicating well. I think that's going to be the most difficult thing for us. When you guys are sending people in motion, we need to be able to cover the tight ends, cover the running backs, cover the slot, and make sure that uh, if Garoppolo takes a three-step drop, that he has to go past his first progression. If we can do that, then I think the pass rush can get there. One of the things that the Patriots really tried to um, 
exemplifying their defense this past week was doing a lot of fake blitzes and dropping into coverage with a lot of their linebackers. They have a very versatile and athletic group that really confused uh, Carson Palmer really well and the offensive line. I remember at one point they had seven on the offense about to blitz and they just ran like a fan just split out and they only had a three-man rush and four dropping into coverage. Now we've seen Tannehill have problems with, uh, you know, reading these kinds of complex defenses. Do you think that he'll be able to, I guess, conquer these different looks the Pats will be going at, or do you think he'll continue with the problems he's had in the past? I I think we're getting there, and what we saw week one was we saw some changes in offensive line, you know, sliding the protection one way. Um, We saw a lot of silent communication because it's impossible to communicate in Seattle um, so what we saw as Dolphins fans was actually a, a fair amount of progression from Tannehill and looking at things at the line of scrimmage and identifying where the blitz was coming from. With that being said, I think the Patriots are going to be way more exotic than the Seahawks were, and I do think that occasionally there are going to be some problems. This is a little bit of a learning curve for Tannehill, so I think that the Patriots will um, be able to confuse Tannehill on a couple of occasions. It's on the occasions where we make the right adjustments, we need to be able to make the play afterwards. And I'm kind of referring to the 75-yard bomb that we threw to Kenny Stills in week one. We finally caught the Seattle defense off guard, have a wide-open touchdown possibility, and we drop it. So we're really going to need to capitalize on the advantages that we do um, have the luxury of having, and um, kind of go from there. We can't uh, afford too many self-inflicted wounds, and I think kind of what you're alluding to is we have to be able to communicate well on the offensive line and pick up these these blitzers or it could, you know, pose some problems for us. So uh, the Dolphins have always had some decent problem with the Pats, and the Pats have always had some problems with the Dolphins. I mean, Bill Belichick <laughs> called the, uh, the Pats loss to the Dolphins last year. He called it disgraceful. And, you know, so obviously a lot of disrespect going on between both these teams, but it should be a pretty fun game. Are there any X factors do you think the Dolphins will bring to the table that the Pats are going to have to try, I guess, a little bit extra hard just to be able to keep up with? Um, I think one person that maybe Pats fans haven't heard of is our return guy, Jakeem Grant. I think if we make a splash play on Sunday, it's going to be – through special teams, and he actually had some fantastic returns against the Seahawks, and of course most of those came back with a block in the back or holding or something like that, but he could have had easily 150 return yards against the Seahawks. So I think he could potentially be an X factor in terms of putting some points up on the board or at least drastically changing the field position game in our favor. Um, So if you guys kick to him, you need to make sure that you get some coverage down there pretty quick because he's one of the most elusive football players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, I remember watching him in preseason. I, I didn't initially think he was going to make the team like as their primary returner, but he came out of the gate really quickly and really took the job. Uh, one person I did want to talk to you about, one of the X factors on your guys' defense that I think could come out is Byron Maxwell because the, the Cardinals didn't really do that great of a job covering – the number two option on the Pats field at all time, and Edelman just ran all over them. But the Dolphins know Edelman. They, they know what to expect at him, but they've never seen what Chris Hogan can bring to the table. Obviously, 
former camp guy, but now five years into his NFL career, now with the Pats, what do you think Byron Maxwell will be able to bring to the defense if he's going to be covering Chris Hogan's side? Well, I think he brings the size and athleticism we're looking for, so he's giving us that option to play that press coverage. We've, you know, historically, you know, we've had the Brent Grimeses, the shorter guys, which prevent us from playing that more physical nature, so that's why we're playing 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. So now that we have Xavier Howard, our second-round draft pick, and plus Byron Maxwell, you know, we have guys that are six foot, six one, two hundred and. 15 pounds on both sides of the ball. So I think we're going to be able to match up well with Hogan's size and athleticism. Um, and it's just really a matter of, again, I keep coming back to communication, making sure that if we're running press zone, that Byron Maxwell is transitioning Hogan off to the safety and making sure that communication is clean. But I think we're going to be okay near the line of scrimmage. And that's where I'm hoping the Dolphins do play that press, that ple- that press cover um, because I think it's going to work well with what the Patriots are trying to do in terms of the three-step drops and getting the ball out of Garoppolo's hands early. I think having people near the line of scrimmage, we might be able to make some plays. Do you think Garoppolo will have the same amount of success he did against Miami that he did Arizona, or do you think that um, Arizona was actually a tougher challenge in this scenario? That's a great question. Um, I think Arizona's probably a a better all-around defense than we are, but have some issues in the secondary. I think those got exposed a little bit, especially with that Hogan touchdown that he threw completely wide open. Um, hopefully we don't have the breakdowns in, in communication like that. But from a personal standpoint, I think uh, having all preseason to work with that first team helped Garoppolo. You know, last year he was the guy and then not the guy. And I think coming into this year, being the guy, having the game plan centered around him, I think really helped with that first game. But now we're getting into games where you don't have weeks and months to prepare for a team. You have a matter of days. And I'm hoping that we can throw some looks at Garoppolo that he hasn't seen before and maybe take advantage of some of that relative inexperience that he has. So before we get into your official predictions for this game, because I'd love to hear what uh, score you'd actually give us, but um, you know, on, <laughs> on, on the injury side of the ball, you know, this is always a factor that can decide some of these football games. And you know, as a as a Patriots uh, as a Patriots guy, I've noticed that you know we're still have no idea what's going on with Rob Gronkowski with this hamstring injury. We've no idea if he's going to play. No one really knows what percentage of health he really is. So Gronkowski is probably not going to play week two. Who on the Dolphins' side is in chance of missing this game that could make a real impact if they miss it? Well, our, our pass rush suffered when Mario Williams went out to be evaluated for concussion. I haven't heard anything if he is out of that protocol yet. Um, so he could potentially miss that game um, on Sunday. And our defensive line depth, which was originally thought to be a position of strength, is looking a little bit flimsy at this point. Um, so we would really like Mario Williams to be there for the pass rush, but if he's not there, I think that significantly um, helps helps the Patriots going forward. Uh, now with Gronkowski and 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 Tom Brady not playing in Week One, I thought, wow, going into Arizona, how are the Patriots going to do this? And I'm more convinced than ever that you guys could just win with a Girl Scout team. It doesn't matter <laughs> who you guys run out there. You guys just find ways to win. So um. On one hand, I'm extremely jealous, and on the other hand, extremely pissed off 
that <laughs> my team can't do that too. Very, very fair. <laughs> so with all that being said, what is your official prediction for this game? With no Brady, possibly no Gronk, what do you think we'll see on Sunday? I think we're going to see another low-scoring game, and I think it's going to be, I'm going to say 2017 Patriots. It's going to be a close game going into the fourth quarter. Um, we might even have a shot to tie it or win it at the end, but I don't know that the Miami Dolphins know how to step on someone's throat and finish a game. We need to be able to develop that killer instinct that I don't think that we have achieved yet. So I think the Patriots will sneak out of this one barely, um, but will emerge victorious. Wonderful. Aaron Sutton, a writer and podcast head for the Finsider blog and SB Nation. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Harris, thanks for inviting me. Um, good luck to you every day except on Sunday in <laughs> Week too. 17. You too, buddy. Have a good one. All right, you too. Again, I want to thank Aaron Sutton for coming on and giving us some really good Miami Dolphins stuff. Uh, you know, if you want to go find him, go listen to his Finsider podcast on SB Nation. Give us some really good stuff. But no, I'm really excited for this game against the Dolphins. I think it's a chance for the Patriots to really see what they have against a division rival who a lot of people thought improved in the offseason. I mean, I am still up in the air about Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell. It was really nice to see Kiko Alonso actually playing up to his talent level this past week. But, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff, uh, the week-to-week stuff with him, it is still uh, up in the air. Mario Williams is a guy who I don't really believe cares about playing football anymore, though it was nice to see him as well really uh, coming to, uh, what's the word, coming to battle, as it should say. So thank you uh, to Aaron Sutton again for coming on. Now we're going to bring on Mike Dusso of PatsPropaganda.com. Our featured guest segment here on Patriots Beat is brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, get fun to cook meals for and with your family and friends by ordering healthy and delicious ingredients from Blue Apron that's delivered straight to your doorstep. Get meals for under $10 with the freshest and in-season ingredients. As a loyal supporter of CLNS Radio, we're offering your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. That's blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. So without further ado, let's bring on Mike Dusso so he can help us wrap up the rest of the show. Thanks for uh, joining us this week. We're happy to have you on. Yeah, of course. Uh, always happy to talk some pats with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So to get right into it, you know, we had a we had a pretty crazy uh, game this past weekend. I was actually in Vegas, so when they missed that field goal, the whole sports book <laughs> went crazy. They were plus three forty. The Vegas lost and made a lot of money on that day. But uh, yep. give me a couple of your thoughts about what you saw from the team this past week and how you think it's going to affect your game against Miami. Sure. Well, I mean, everybody's talking about how well the Patriots game plan with Garoppolo. And I mean, nobody was expecting, I think, quite that performance without Solder and Gronkowski. Um, you know, it, that made it even more impressive. But they had a, they had a few months to prepare. They knew it was coming. Um, and, you know, they just they did what they had to do. And I think you saw the best drives were really the ones right out of the locker room. You know, at the start of the first half, they scored on their first two possessions and then they scored uh, on their first possession right out of the out of the second half. Uh, well, what impressed me the most, though, were the two field goal drives at the end of the game, because at that point, I felt like the game was kind of turning. You know, it's like, ah, oh, this is where Garoppolo is going to kind of fall apart. And, you know, instead, he came through and, and led them to two, you know, scoring drives, especially, you know, on, with a third and 15 and then going 32 yards to Danny Amendola. That was that was the play that, that, that impressed me the throw. most. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really nice to see Jimmy Garoppolo make some of those throws that I don't think a lot of people really expected him to be able to make. 
And as well, you know, third round, excuse me, second round pick three years ago, you'd hope this is where his progression would be. I said uh, that he should probably be around a little bit worse where Derek Carr should be being a second round pick two years ago, but not having the same starting experience. So they should be pretty similar playing style wise. So what did you see out of Garoppolo that was inspiring? But also, what did you see that you think needs a little bit of uh, a little bit of working out? Sure. Well, I mean, I think the the good things we've always kind of we've seen from him has been he's always just maintained some poise. You know, no matter how the game goes, you know, he just he maintains that steadiness. And I think that's such a huge thing for a quarterback, especially, you know, a quarterback who another guy who might get thrown into the fire a little earlier. You know, sometimes those guys break down and things fall apart in their career. But, you know, he just has that that poise that's so key. And then the second thing that he's always had is that that quick release. It's just it's so helpful. It's amazing how fast he gets the ball out. You know, and even in a couple of the plays where the protection protection broke down a little bit, you see Garoppolo gets it out so quick, it almost makes up for any, you know, small deficiencies in, in some of the pass protection. So, you know, those two things, I mean, he just making great decisions as well came into it. Uh, you know, in terms of stuff to work on, I mean, I think the Patriots really hid, hid his weaknesses well. Uh, you know, and, and that just comes down to, we saw, we saw one play on third down where they kicked the, the first field goal in the second half where, you know, he tried to force one into Amendola when he, he had Bennett on the other side wide open. So, I, I mean, that, those things just take time. I mean, it was the guy's first start. Of course, there are going to be bumps. But, you know, as a whole, the Patriots just did a, a fantastic job playing to his strengths and making sure that he was in a position to win the game, which he, he delivered. Yeah, and, you know, I, I love to watch, again, like, just some of the throws that he was able to make. He was a little bit high on some of the throws earlier in the game. I think it's easy to mm-hmm. just kind of chalk those up to, you know, early game jitters. He is a, sure. playing his first NFL game. But one thing that really inspired yeah. me uh, this whole game was the play in the blocking schemes of Cameron Fleming, Marcus Cannon, and especially Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett, they basically told, hey, go block. And he was like, absolutely, I'm going to dominate. So do you think yeah. we're going to see Martellus Bennett's game plan change, or is he going to stay as that consistent blocking threat to assist these tackles, at least until Solder comes back? Well, I think it's, it's going to be related to Gronkowski. And then, you know, we, we still haven't seen the, uh, the fully operational battle station, so to speak, of Gronkowski and Bennett together, which has really been the most exciting part of the offseason is that acquisition where you have two legitimate wide tight ends. And, and what we saw on display, as you said, out of Bennett was the blocking. And so when you've looked at the, the, the second tight end over the years that we've had with Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, uh, Scott Chandler last year, Michael Omanawanui, God bless him. But, you know, all those guys are are pretty limited in terms of their blocking, uh, especially, you know, when you look at Hernandez and Chandler. And, you know, so now you have the full package in Bennett. So when you get Gronkowski back, then it opens up a whole bag of tricks that they can do. So, yeah, they can they can have Bennett block sometimes, but they also can have Gronkowski block and send Bennett out depending on what the coverages are. So that that'll ultimately give them. The, the ultimate flexibility and and yeah the blocking was great all around and and I I'd, I'd like to point out too Joe Tooney uh, has just been fantastic as a rookie at left guard he, he's been incredible he was a pick that no one really really saw out of nowhere and then just has emerged as easily the best guard that they have best interior lineman in camp so let's move on to the Miami game because this game is incredibly interesting just due to the fact that you know Adam Gase coming in with that offense his first game comes up against the Seahawks defense which. Just, you know, one of the best defenses in the NFL. They're only able to score barely a touchdown and a field goal. I think the score ended up being like 12 to 10 or mm-hmm. something crazy. 
So Miami Dolphins coming uh, coming into town. How do you think the Patriots will adjust to what we saw with them against Seattle? Well, I mean, defensively, I think you look at really a lot of package plays. You got you have to be aware of the quarterback running. You know, they're gonna they're gonna put Tannehill out on bootlegs. They're gonna put him in design draws. Uh, you know, where he keeps it and just runs up the middle. So, I mean, I think that's a big key. Um, and, and, you know, you looked at Arian Foster. He looked really rejuvenated against the Seahawks, had, had quite a few runs. So it's, it's something to keep an eye on. I think we saw, I went back and took a look at the two games last year uh, in terms of the, how the Patriots matched up. And, and it was pretty simple. It's, it's what they've just been doing the last couple of years. They're just going to line up man-to-man. Uh, and they're going to make, they're going to try to make Tannehill fit the ball into tight spaces and figure out who's going to beat them, uh, you know, who's, who's going to win the one-on-one coverage. So, you know, offensively, I, we got a good piece from one of the, one of the contributors on the site today from Rick Starkey. He he look, went back and looked at Adam Gase's offense in Chicago and kind of thought how we, how that might apply to how they might attack the Patriots. And you know, a big part of it is those package plays. It's the read options. It's those things that the Patriots they're going to have to be disciplined up front. And you know, I think as always, it just starts with shutting down the run, and that's something the Patriots have always done. You look back last week, Allen Branch. Malcolm Brown, guys inside, just playing fantastic. You know, you shut down the run for this for this team, put it all on Tannehill, having to throw it, stay in the pocket, and don't let him get out. I think that's favorable to the Pats. And one of the things on the uh, Dolphins' side of the ball that's a little bit underrated, I think, is their defense. I think they do have a pretty talented defense. That front four especially, uh, we saw against Seattle. I don't know whether it was Seattle's just incredible lack of offensive line or the Dolphins just getting incredible push at the point of attack. But Ndamukong Sue, Jordan Phillips, Cameron Wake, even Mario Williams, these guys were getting home all day long trying to get Russell Wilson. And even they, you know, they ended up even injuring him. And uh, we don't even know what his playing status is for week two. But this uh, Dolphins defense is a little bit underrated. But one place that I've seen that they're pretty weak is at the linebacker safety position next mm-hmm. to Rashad Jones. So how do you sure. think the Patriots will attack the Dolphins' defense with those weaknesses? Sure. Well, I, yeah, I look back at the two games last year, and it, and it seemed like you know the Patriots won the first one pretty handily, and then the, the second one, Week 17, was a battle. But it seemed like the game plan was pretty obvious. It was power run right off the bat. Uh, you know, and they, and they didn't have James Devlin last year. You look at the first game, Legarrette Blount comes out of the gates. You know, I think it was you know three carries the first three plays. And he gets about 15, 16 yards total on those plays. And then all of a sudden, things are open up for Gronkowski. He gets a touchdown, and, and we're off. Then you look at week 17. They got Steven Jackson trying to, like, cling on to that last moment of his career. Doesn't get anything going. Uh, and then and then the Patriots are in for a dogfight. So I, I think now, with Devlin back, with LeGarrette Blount, you know, clicking on all cylinders, not to mention the fact that you're trying to manage Garoppolo a little bit, it's going to start with the power run. And if they're, you know, in those formations where they have – Two running backs, two tight end sets, run it right at them. Especially, you know, Mario Williams might be out with a concussion. That that would be a big blow. Then they're forced to play Cameron Wake, who, who you know, they wanted to reduce this year a little bit more to just a designated pass mm-hmm. rusher. So I think it all starts with the power run, and then that'll open up everything for Garoppolo on those quick underneath routes, the design package plays that they've had for Garoppolo that, that worked so well last week. So all the reports this week are that Gronkowski's still having these hamstring issues. We do, he's not 100% according to Mike Reese, this and that. So I got to get your opinion on this. Do you think Gronkowski plays this week, or do we not see him again until week three? 
I, you know, I, I got to say, after you win in Arizona, and then yesterday they said, you know, the practice report was that he wasn't quite doing, he was out at practice, but he wasn't doing full team activities. He was kind of off to the side again. So when you're already sitting with money in the bank at 1-0, I, I think probably, why not just sit him again? I mean, I, as, as Belichick himself has said over the last couple of years, you know, some of those years, 2012, 2013, how different would those playoff runs have been if they had a healthy Rob Gronkowski? So, you know, at this point in the season, it's not a critical game. I say you, you play it easy with him. If, he, if he's not 100%, if he hasn't turned the corner, as, as Belichick said last week, he hadn't turned the corner yet. You know, if he does turn the corner, get him out there, work him in. But I don't see the rush to do it in week two. Mm-hmm. So one question before we get into your official, uh, rea- uh, official predictions for this week. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo played a great game one. Let's say he comes out plays a great game two, which will continue the – now really budding situation the Patriots will have, you know, the best situation in football of having two great quarterbacks. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a really interesting question to ask, but, you know, what do the Patriots, if he keeps playing this well, what do the Patriots, in your opinion, eventually do with this Garoppolo-Brady situation? There is no quarterback controversy. Tom Brady's very much <laughs> the quarterback of this team when he comes back. But you can't overlook the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo will be 25, want to start somewhere, yeah. having proven he can play in the NFL, what do the Pats do with him when Brady comes back? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's all we're going to be talking about for the next six months. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the easiest thing to do is obviously Garoppolo goes back to the bench when Brady comes back. Brady plays the year out. And then you see what's out there uh, for Garoppolo next year. I don't know. I mean, you know, what if Brady starts to kind of fade down the stretch this year? Then it gets even more interesting. But, you know, as we sit here right now thinking Brady's going to come back and be Brady, you got to let him play the season out, and, and then we'll evaluate. I mean, I think at this point you're looking at easily a first-round pick for Garoppolo next offseason if you want it, entering his last season. I mean, do you go into next season? That's the risk is next season both, you know, Garoppolo is going to be up after 2017. Then after that season you could lose him without any compensation. And you're totally right. It's, he's 15 years younger than Brady. If you're realistically looking at what's best for the team, as Belichick always says, you have to consider maybe we keep Garoppolo another year. You know, you get at most a third round pick if he walks in free agency for a compensatory pick. So it's going to be a tough situation, but I think there's a lot of more things that are going to happen. I don't think Garoppolo is going to be lights out these next three games. He's going to have some ups and downs. He probably very well will have a loss in there somewhere. Um, but it's a good problem to have. And, and we can't forget Jacoby Brissett really progressed in his rookie year in the preseason. I thought he looked really good just in terms of looking like he fit in, making reads, making the throws. And, and you know, he reminds me a bit of Ben Roethlisberger with that size, and he's tough to bring down. So, like you said, it's a great problem to have. We just got to let it play out over this season, and, and nothing needs to be done until next spring. Wonderful. That's uh, good. as good a response as I think you're going to find <laughs> at this point. So, Dolphins this game, you know, the, the Pats and Dolphins, these games always end up being pretty tricky. I mean, Belichick called the loss that the Pats had uh, at the end of the season. I think the, I think he used the word despicable. Mm-hmm. So clearly he doesn't like losing to the Dolphins. Clearly enjoys his AFC East domination. So, you know, Dolphins coming in 0-1, coming off that heartbreaking loss to the Seahawks. They almost had it, but they just couldn't quite do it. So what is your prediction for this game? Pats, Dolphins, in Gillette with Garoppolo at QB. 
Yeah, I, I think the Patriots, they're not going to set the world on fire offensively, but I think they'll do enough to win, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 10, 20 to 13, something like that. I mean, look, the Patriots haven't lost a regular season divisional game at home since 2008's Wildcat game against the Dolphins. So I think if the Dolphins have to, are going to win, it's going to be, have to be a similar game to that Wildcat game where they bust out some new twist that the Patriots aren't quite ready for. They get Garoppolo in an early hole, and he's you know not able to lead the team back from behind. But I think if the Patriots are able to play their game, stick to their offense, they'll be able to put the Dolphins in a hole and, and have a similar outcome as we saw in Seattle. I hope it's not quite that close, but I think it will be a close game, and you know, the Patriots will probably squeak it out 20-10, 2013. 20-10, to 20-13. Awesome. Well, Mike Duzo, thank you so much for coming on. Big fan of your website. Love what you guys do over there. Go follow him at Pat's Propaganda on Twitter. He's easy to find. One of the more followed guys for the Pats. Mike, thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one. Bye. want to thank Mike Duso and Aaron Sutton for coming on and giving us some really good information about this upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins. Please go find uh, the Pats post-game show after Patriots games every single Sunday after their games are over. Mike and Marvin do a great job. If you heard the one last week, you heard me come on and talk a little bit about the game. So the CLNS guys will be making uh, various appearances on that show. Also go uh, find the Patriots Newsfeed podcast done by my boss, Michael Longi. He does a great job with that and puts in a lot of time and work to give you guys the best possible content. But again, thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Patriots Beat Podcast. We'll be back here next week to discuss their upcoming game against the Houston Texans and also to discuss how they win or lose against the Miami Dolphins. So we hope you guys join us again next week, releasing on Fridays at 6 a.m. As usual, please go download the CLNS Radio mobile app on both Android and on iPhone. If you have the new iPhone 7, congratulations. You can hear us through those new crazy headphones. So do enjoy that once they drop on Monday, I do believe. Monday? I believe it's Monday. But anyway, you know, go to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Please go find our uh, FanDuel, fanduel.com slash Patriots. Go find our listener league. I'll be there. The rest of the Patriots guys will be there. It's a lot of fun for you guys to get involved with. So we hope you guys enjoy it. I want to thank both the guests again for coming on. I want to thank all the rest of the team. Thanks for Mike, Mike and Marvin. Thanks to Larry and Nick for letting me do this. This is Aris Rubenstein. This is the Patriot Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Radio. We will see you guys next week.